Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back, everybody, to Wells Tech, episode 690, and uh, different today because Martin Spriggs is not introducing this this um, podcast. It's me, Sally Draper, uh, kind of in a solo role this week because Martin is attending a conference, but you wouldn't want to just hear from me, and so it worked out perfectly uh, that it was one of our education technology weeks, and I'm happy to welcome to the podcast our semi-regular classroom technology correspondents back for the 2022-23 school year. Um, And that would be Professor Rachel Feld from Martin Luther College and Jason Schmidt, who is going to tell me what his title is because I never remember it properly. I'm the executive director of the Wisconsin Virtual School now based out of CISA 9. Thank you, Jason. And forgive me um, for not having that rolling off my tongue like I should. Um, Yeah, that's all right. I keep changing, so it's fine. (laughs) Okay, good. This one might stick. a little more time. Excellent. And you know what, guys, if you could only sit in on the planning sessions for these podcasts, you would realize how exciting it is for us to have Jason and Rachel joining us, how much fun we have and how excited we are to bring you this podcast. Um, I think it's going to be really incredible. What do you guys think? I think think your definition of exciting is perhaps questionable, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't tell our listeners that. Uh, We're going to stick with the incredible idea. And I'm just going to say that um, we we did pre-plan for the entire school year because um, we can pick dates in advance. We know when um, the podcast roll around where we focus on the educational technology topics with uh, Rachel and Jason. And we realized this year, maybe for the first time ever, that there are five of those special podcasts coming up during the school year. And that led our creative juices to, we should have a theme around five things. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be incredible even? I think it might've been better if it was spicy, but incredible will work. (laughs) Yeah, we'll play whatever hands were dealt. Yeah, incredible works for me. (laughs) All right. So uh, what we're alluding to with all our incredible references and even something spicy is the fact that we talked about five things and the five things that floated to the top as we had that discussion were the five Incredibles. There are five family members in the Incredible family. And uh, we thought we would focus each show on one of the incredible strengths and kind of parallel education technology things that have those same kind of strengths. Okay. Hopefully everybody followed that. That's really hard to explain. The other option that we were given was the Spice Girls and I know nothing about Spice Girls. So we opted for Incredibles. That's um, that's going to be our, our thread or theme throughout this school year as we talk about education technology. And who better to start with than Mr. Incredible himself. And so there we were, the four of us, Martin was in on this discussion as well. And we were like, okay, there's Bob, there's Mr. Incredible. He's just got all this strength and stamina. He's super durable. He can take it. 
you know, whatever. And how does that relate to education technology? And Rachel, I think the first thing that came to mind was the strength and stamina it's going to take you to complete your dissertation this year, maybe? That is the first thing that came to mind. And then I think we uh, quickly dismissed that as, <laughs> you know, we, we don't want to talk about that. That's right Rachel's we'll problem. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> we'll wait until you finish, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of pressure to get it done before the end of the year. Yes, just a little bit. All right. So we wish you superhuman strength in that endeavor. And we shifted gears and instead thought we would talk about what's super strong in terms of education and technology, and that's quality instructional design. That's where we kind of landed. Um, instructional design with technology in mind or focused on um, how technology supplements um, instruction. I think that's a good way to kind of lead into the topic and maybe you guys uh, can run from it, run with it from there because I'm obviously not the expert in this area. Run with or from? Yes, whatever you want to (laughs) choose. Oh, I know Martin is sad that he's not here to enjoy this right now. Um, He'll listen in and give us a hard time about it later. (laughs) So I know that one thing that teachers um, ask me all the time when uh, presenting or, you know, trying to answer questions, help out, whatever it is, is how do we make these decisions? There are so many uh, sources and tools and techniques and just all it's it's really overwhelming. And so um, how do we, where do we start? And um, for the longest time, I would point people towards the SAMER model, which uh, was developed by uh, Dr. Ruben Pentadora. And um, if you haven't, we did an episode about the SAMER Mm -hmm. model actually a while Mm -hmm. back. So if you're interested, you can go back in our archives. Um, But basically that looked at at tech usage is divided into four um, major categories. And that would be substitution, augmentation, modification, and redefinition. Um, And so basically tech use can be a substitute for something. It can um, amplify something and make make it better. Um, And I always had a hard time defining the difference between modification and redefinition because you're not the only one, Rachel. Yeah, that that kind of seemed to go. It was it was going around all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Those upper two levels are just basically like doing what you did before and using technology to do something different. I always I always split it up into two spots, like uh, so to simplify things a little bit. Yeah. Um, and actually, the the rat model did that very well, but the. Uh, the acronym you get there isn't quite as nice as SAMER because, you know, rats, you don't really, I don't like rats, but <laughs> maybe some people do. Uh, but recently, it, especially in work for one of the grad classes that I teach, came across the pick rat model, which does have that rat in there, but at least we have pick first, so it's not all about rats. Um, but it's a matrix and it really helps to look at not just the teacher's use of the technology. Because I think it was very easy in the SAMR model to get get focused on what the teacher was doing. And really it, it there's you have to look at both 
both sides of it. What's the teacher doing with the technology and what's the student doing? And so that's exactly what the PICRAT model does. Um, it was developed by uh, Dr. Royce Kimmons. Um, I believe he's out in Utah. And in this basically tic-tac-toe square, uh, along the bottom, you've got the RAT model, which is the teacher's use either replaces, amplifies, or transforms. So kind of taking that SAMER model and uh, simplifying it into three. And then going up and down, is that the x-axis or the y-axis? That's the y. Okay. That's math. That was a long time ago. Um, I contributed to the show. Yay. Good job, Sally. <laughs> Along that y-axis, you have what the student's relationship to the tech is. And that's um, either passive interactive or creative. And I really like this because if you look at um, recent findings on screen time and how much tech time students should have in the classroom, um, most, most of that research will point more towards what's the purpose of the technology use versus how much. And so that passive technology use of, you know, watching YouTube videos, um, flipping through Netflix or your TikTok feed or whatever, those passive uses are not as great as the uh, interactive uses or the creative uses. And so this um, this model really helps teachers kind of see both what it's what the tech is doing for them and for their students with the goal of getting to that upper upper right corner. Very good. Um, Jason, when we were planning for this, you mentioned that you had followed a different model or framework. Can I tell us yes. a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, when back in my technology integration days, before I turned over to the dark side, um, I, uh, I had been coaching teachers in the use of the triple E framework. So triple E is uh, engage, enhance, and extend um, with when it, when it comes to learning goals. So it's, um, and they're, they're meant to be some sort of interrelated kinds of concepts. So, uh, it's, you know, the, the technology, how does that, um, help students understand things a little bit more better, a little bit better, uh, and, you know, and, and enhance the delivery of the content. Um, and then the, the next part with the extension is how does that, how does the technology enable students to uh, take their learning and apply it outside of the typical lesson framework? Uh, and then that engage piece is kind of the low hanging fruit. Like how do we get kids excited about learning and excited about coming to school uh, and participating in all of that? So, you know, things like time on task and motivation and um, getting them to be active social learners, right? So um, with, within this framework, uh, this is where we're looking at the way that we do things and are we, are we engaging students? Are we using technology to enhance the work that we're doing? Are we extending that learning outside of the class? 
classroom um, and really, you know, a just just making it a meaningful thing. Um, where this comes from is from uh, an author that we've actually talked about like super long ago on the podcast. Like I think, Sally, if we go back in the archives, it's probably like 400 episodes ago. I think, I think <laughs> it was one of the first ones that I participated in. Um, but the author of the of the book is Liz Kolb. Uh, she wrote uh, she wrote books like where she got kind of cut her teeth. Uh, she's from the University of Michigan, and she wrote books about cell phones in classrooms and has kind of transitioned now towards this triple E framework. Um, so if you've if you've seen the books Learning First, Technology Second, uh, it's published by ISTE. Uh, that is something that. Um, she has put out now uh, as kind of a way to think about these things. So, um, you know, and and hopefully, you know, you guys are kind of picking up on like these are there's there's some there's a lot of overlap between PICRAT and Triple E, right? So, um, you know, when when I was working with schools and working in districts, um, it was it was we had a lot of conversation around language, and and I've heard you've I've I've used this phrase all all over the place, but uh, you got to pick your pony and ride it, right? So, you know, if if Rachel's on the PICRAT pony, then, you know, let's talk about things within that PICRAP framework. Framework? Goodness gracious. It's because Martin's not here to keep me, like, <laughs> speaking English. That's, I think, what... Apparently, he has magic yeah. like that. Huh? I, yeah, that's just that's just what it is. We miss Martin. Not that not that Sally's not good, because Sally's no, awesome. But, I totally miss Martin. I get it. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, you know, that, so that, that piece of it, right? You know, you pick your pony and ride it. Like it's, it just gives us a way to talk about these tools and, um, and the way that we're incorporating them into, uh, into the classroom and into the, into the work that we're doing. And Rachel, would you say that that's uh, a, a just kind of, you know, like, would you agree with that observation, I guess? I definitely agree. Um, and I, I honestly think that's probably the biggest reason to use uh, PICRAT or Tripoli or even going back to SAMER, you know, whatever makes sense for your faculty. Um, but yeah, that common language and kind of expectation that a model like this will set uh, is really important in just understanding the role that technology is going to play in your school. You know, I'm kind of like I said, on the outside of these discussions, I'm not in the classroom or, or assisting with the school specifically. But as I hear what you're saying, I kind of think back to the days when things were brand new. Let's say a tool like um, something that would you would use to create content, uh, uh, a bulletin board type digital format. Do you guys have a favorite tool that you use for that kind of thing? If kids were doing a um, kind of pulling together different pieces to present a book report or something like that. I would say Google Rachel slides. would say Google Slides. Yep. Yeah. So let's say <laughs> Google <laughs> Google Slides is brand new and I'm a new teacher learning about it in the faculty in service. And I'm just like going to have my kids put their thing on there and make it turn around and around and around because it's a cool thing. And, and wow, isn't that fun that you can rotate it or whatever. We're way down the road from there. We've, we've, We've got to learn the tools, but then understand how they can enhance the lesson and extend the lesson, how they can, you know, get past that passive, just, oh, wow, this is a cool thing that I can watch 
perform for me or whatever. So uh, a little bit of higher order, order thinking as the teacher is absorbing kind of an unknown future because who knows what the next new tool is going to be. Well, and I think that's the that's the other part of this that uh, is really like it's we've really matured, I think, as a profession over the last 10, 15 years where it's like we don't we don't have that skills gap anymore where we have to do a workshop on this is how you build Google Slides. Here's how you do stuff. Here's you know, we've transitioned to now. Okay, what does that look like when you're in a when you're a reading teacher, you're teaching a reading class? And, you know, how do I, what do I have the kids do rather than what do I do as the teacher uh, to, to lead that learning? And then how am I engaging kids? How am I getting them to, because, you know, because the, there's just that much more research, there's not that much more experience, there's that much more um, just knowledge about how we can use this stuff that it's not so much, um, a, you know, it shouldn't, if technology is an event, you're not doing it right, right? You know, that's the whole, that's the whole reason we talk about technology integration, because it's a tool. We don't talk about pencil integration anymore, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that we, like, it's, it's woven into the fabric of the way that we do things. And when we have this way of talking about stuff, like, that's really where we start making some of those gains, uh, and, and really start seeing the benefits of, all of this training and all of this other work that we've done to learn how to do stuff. Now again, the fun things. Yeah. Super exciting. And I would imagine if you look back in the history of education, that that's been a similar kind of pattern for any number of innovations in education in general, that we've just, we've gotten to that hump of, we really need to push over and just start using tech for for what it is um, versus, like Jason said, being an event. And I think also a lot of our schools have gotten to the place where the infrastructure um, and the support pieces are there. You know, um, COVID was not great by any stretch of the imagination, but it sure did push schools, um, even here at MLC, pushed us to really make good use of our learning management system. Um, I've had a lot of profs say, wow, why wasn't I doing this all along? Why wasn't I utilizing Moodle for this or the other thing? And it, it took that, that mm -hmm. shove um, to make that happen. So I, I think the pieces are there and we're right at the, some schools are a little farther along than others, but we're right at the the brink of being able to really harness what this technology means in our classrooms. And maybe for those that aren't as far along, this very topic that we're on is kind of a foundational piece, like getting that common language, thinking that way, evaluating what you're doing in the classroom, how you're designing your, your lessons um, with that upper right corner of the pick rat tic-tac-toe board in mind or whatever. And I think it's important to include those those discussions when you're talking like your curriculum guide and um, doing your curriculum uh, studies. If you have a separate technology curriculum versus having it, you know, within all the other pieces, what does that look like? What are our expectations for our students? Um, this does require a lot of superhuman strength and stamina to figure out how that works within the school. Um, but I, it has to be done. Good, 
good, a good place to kind of wrap up our discussion. Mr. Incredible was represented well with instructional design and looking at uh, these different models. We'll have links in the show notes to um, those model images and other articles. I actually found a really good overview um, done by the Picrat guy. I have his name right in front of me, Royce Kimmons. He actually has like a four minute video that was really great, um, helped me understand it a lot better as well. So I'll put that YouTube video in the show notes as well. So thanks, you guys. Great conversation. Um, we are going to move right into our ministry resource segment of the show. And uh, having Rachel on gives us a good opportunity to feature something that Rachel's done that I think is a really uh, useful ministry resource. Rachel, you have a Google site out there that's titled Bible Lesson Media Resources. Tell us about it. Tell us what's new about it. Absolutely. So, um, this is a great lesson in procrastination. Um, <laughs> it's done now. Well, yeah, it, it, I did this to procrastinate on my dissertation. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> it worked. So man. it, yeah, uh, it's great. Um, so this this website takes uh, information from all over the place and just kind of um, pulls it together. This includes YouTube videos. Um, pictures from free Bible images, um, some craft resources, and also some uh, slide resources from some different teachers throughout the wells. And so each, uh, each lesson is linked and it follows the uh, Christlight, the titles uh, found in the Christlight curriculum. And for each one of the um, each one of the lessons I've gone through and found all the uh, the free Bible images, all the videos, and uh, also linked to slide presentations, all sorts of different stuff. Um, it was it was a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. Um, I do uh, have the disclaimer that I have not watched all of these videos because I like to procrastinate, but perhaps not quite that much. <laughs> and so you do definitely want to watch, watch them ahead of time. And uh, I have links at the very, very bottom of the site for if you find one that you're like, oh, that really shouldn't be in there. Um, you can link to that uh, and let me know. And you have it organized by grade level. So um, yeah, different so that ways was to... just, I, I did not realize until I started to look how very differently the uh, different lessons were named uh, oh. among the different grades. And so it originally had just been built off of the first and second grade names because I taught first and second grade. Um, but now it, they all still kind of go to the same place, but it'll help you find it uh, quicker. If you're a fifth and sixth grade teacher, you'll be more uh, familiar with the fifth and sixth grade lesson uh, plans or uh, lesson titles. What I am looking for um, in order to kind of expand this is to look at the seventh and eighth grade um, curriculum that is more uh, based on different topics. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone's got resources for that, that they would like to share, please reach out. I would love to make a section of this website for, um, for those resources too. Excellent. Well, thanks for all your work on this. Thanks for continuing to update it because it was, um, it's been around for a little while, but um, it's even better now. So 
Great stuff, Rachel. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. And then that leads right into our tips and picks of the week. And actually guests go first and ladies go first. So I think it's right back to you, Rachel. And you're going to tell us about um, this website that I can't pronounce. (laughs) Yes. So uh, my pick this week is a tutorial building website called IORAD, which I actually learned about on TikTok. Um, Mm. I am not too proud to admit that I watch TikTok and uh, have found that there are <laughs> you shaking your head at me, Jason. It's just another means of procrastination. You're fine, <laughs> Rachel. Like you'll you'll get that dissertation done. It'll be it'll be good. It's just gonna be in early in late spring that it gets I, done. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying between like your 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 Christlight projects and your TikTok addiction, like I, you know, we'll we'll stage an intervention for you. It'll be fine. Okay. Like, I look forward to that. that. That'll be really fun. Um, so yeah, I did find this on TikTok. And uh I make a lot of um documentation around like using Moodle for our online learning platform and using other tools. And it can't, I do a lot of videos and making those videos, especially when you want to like highlight things or uh, blur out like student information or things like that can be really um, time, time consuming. This website, I don't know how it does it, but it's amazing. Um, You launch the, the Chrome extension and then whatever you're wanting to teach someone how to do, you do it. And then when you're done, you click done on the extension that pushes you back to the IORAD site and um, you get a click by click tutorial that you can edit, uh, including at it already adds like the little highlight boxes and the click here and all that kind of stuff for you. But if it's not quite right, um, which I've actually never really had it be not right. But mm. if it's not quite right, you can edit it. Um, got a really easy blur tool so that I, if there's student information there, I could just get rid of that right there. Um, and then it also has text. It, it, it has written down, like click on, and it tells you what to click on. And you can edit all of that too. Um, and then it has text to uh, audio options so that whoever's watching it, they can just basically watch a video of it. They can watch step by step and follow along. They can go back and forth. It's just really amazing. Um, And with in August, we're going to be moving to Moodle 4, which will be kind of a a biggish update. Mm -hmm. Don't give me that face, Jason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm afraid of it enough as it is. (laughs) (laughs) And so I envision using this an awful lot. It's going to save so much time over what I would have done in something like Camtasia for adding all those pieces myself. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. Some serious AI. It's in, in tune with your brain and doing what you want it to do. My yeah. number one question is always, what's the price? And I see that it's free for a personal. If you look mm-hmm. at business, it gets to be really pricey really oh, don't quickly. Look at the business. business is scary. 
So $200 minimum per month, but when you switch to education, $10 per month for teachers and professors. So um, yeah. that's a pretty sweet price point compared to the business pricing that's there. Right? So yes. good stuff. Um, the personal one is free, but those are all public. It says you can't privatize um, your tutorials if you go with the personal. So I know many people probably the personal would be enough to do a few quick things or whatever. But if you're yeah. like Rachel and redoing your Moodle um, site, maybe you're going to make a few of these and you don't want them to be public, then education pricing looks pretty sweet. Good yeah, stuff. You, used to, you used to be able with IOGRAD too, you used to be able to export your tutorial as a PDF as well. Yeah. Um, so like if you want to print it off or something like that, have a physical copy, you can go, you can do that as well. So yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty powerful tool. So IORAD dot com. And we'll have a link in the show notes. Thanks for bringing that, Rachel. Um, Jason, I think I'm going to stop sharing and let you do a little screen sharing. Exciting. Yeah, thanks, Sally. So this is my opportunity to brag a little bit on uh, just, you know, the uh, the the weekend that we had. So my wife and I took a vacation. We, we did an island vacation, um, but in Wisconsin. So we went to Washington <laughs> Island. And, uh, you know, doing that kind of thing, you end up with a lot of pictures, right? Um, so we, uh, while we were, while we were out there, we had this wonderful dock at the place that we were staying. Um, but they had these dock lifts all over the place. Uh, so my pick this week is the, um, the, the automatic like eraser that comes with, uh, with a Google one subscription, or I have a pixel phone. Uh, so you can use that for free in Google photos if you, if you have that as well. Um, so we have this great picture, right? Isn't she beautiful? Um, and then there's that chump standing next to her. Uh, <laughs> but then there's this big red thing over on the side. So uh, I was able with just right on my phone, I was able to say, hey, remove that obnoxious thing. Um, and then the software like identified it, highlighted the whole thing, and then I could have tweaked it or anything. And then here's the result. You see that it's gone. Um, and it's pretty, it does a pretty good job. Like it still could use a little bit of cleaning up. And if you look really closely at the part where it fixed, like, you know, there's a little bit of a jigger right there. And then you can see, like, if you look really closely, this tree is duplicated four times. Um, but, you know, so it won't hold up to a ton of scrutiny or anything, but, you know, if it's just showing up on my phone or like, you know, going through on our, um, on our, our, our little memories or anything, it does, a, it does a pretty good job. So I was pretty, I was pretty impressed with this tool, uh, and the, and the way that that worked. So my pick this week is Google Photos, uh, and the automatic eraser or the magic eraser that is, uh, that is a part of that. Uh, if you have a pixel phone again, or if you, uh, subscribe to Google one. Good old Google comes through, huh? Even on Every vacation. Day. Yeah, that's true. Isn't it? All right. Um, and that brings the show right around to me and I'm going to have a pick this week as well. I'm going to share my screen, um, to point at an Edutopia article I read recently, five tips for creating an effective virtual field trip. You know, Rachel, you mentioned earlier that, uh, COVID kind of pushed us over the hump, um, with that integration of technology and instructional design. Um, I would say it pushed us over the hump of virtual field trips as well, because we couldn't go anywhere. We could still reach out and talk to people, uh, virtually and experience things in that way. And um, there's a whole new world out there for virtual field trips. So the things you can incorporate in your classroom um, without having to leave the classroom. Um, and this article just kind of walks you through 
the best ways to prepare your students to, to come up with virtual field trip ideas and prepare and get the most out of them. So um, obviously you're going to start by just what is it you're trying to teach and looking at your goals um, for learning and coming up with specific things that relate to that. Um, I think the point of this first point here is that there's a lot of opportunity out there for that. And they specifically mention um, national parks and um, the National Park Service has thousands of resources available. It's pretty incredible. I, I went through and I wanted to take a bunch of these virtual field trips as I was looking at this. So you can see things are categorized between lesson plans and um, materials for loan and professional development. And there's this one category, um, distance learning, field experience, um, those kind of things. Uh, and for some reason, I thought it specifically said field trips, but it's field experiences. There's, there's hundreds of them out here. So um, there's also ways to break it down. Here's the where I was reading field trips. So 474 field trips um, available through the National Park Service. You can go to specific locations. Um, you can do it by grade level or by subject. Um, everything's just super organized and uh, laid out for you with lots of resources to support. Um, and this is just one place that's put the effort into organizing all these educator resources. There are others out there. There's others that are mentioned in this article, even if you uh, surf on over. Um, it says just uh, reach out to people because if you aren't finding uh, a specific resource and a subject that you're trying to to offer a field trip on, um, just make contact with people and perhaps they'll do a Zoom call quite like this one and uh, satisfy your virtual field trip needs as well. Um, they suggest that you uh, have the students build some background knowledge. So don't just hit it cold, but prepare them for where you're going to visit and what it's about and what you're going there to study and that kind of thing. Giving them some, some research and um, time to learn a little bit about it. And um, actually then step four is to have them prepare some questions in advance. So again, it doesn't get to the question and answer session of the field trip and they are hitting that cold, but they've given it some pre-thought and have a list of questions prepared and uh, they get a lot more out of it. Um, and that question and answer session obviously goes a lot more smoothly as they're prepared for that. And then finally, um, to finish up after the field trip with some post work, um, what did they learn? Uh, what things did they already know? What did they learn that was um, expanded their understanding? That kind of thing so that um, they're applying what they saw and heard in the virtual field trip. So really great points in this article. I don't know if you guys have specific experience with virtual field trips, but I thought this was really good structure um, if someone's interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, the National Park Service, that's a really good tip because um, mm -hmm. every every national park, it's in, the, it's in the law that they have to have those remote education huh. opportunities and very many of them are uh, either no cost or very low cost. Um, if people are looking for one, a really good experience is the Minuteman Missile Silo in North Dakota. Huh. Um, they like the the guy who runs those. Like he takes you down into the silo. You get to see, you know, it's really cool, like Cold War 
um, kind of, you know, uh, experience that goes with that. So yeah, I, thanks for, thanks for highlighting that Sally, cause there's some, there's just so many, so many great opportunities for, um, for those kinds of interactions. And now that everybody's used to using tools like zoom and Google meet and all of that kind of stuff, it just lowers the bar for entry. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, I'm going to jump right to our community news and feedback section then. And today I'm going to feature one particular tool that we use for community feedback and conversation, and it's our WellsTech Google group. So you can join the group. There's 191 of us already in there. And basically you have the ability to send email to the group or post here on the group site online. And everyone gets that message and can reply easily. And you just get the group think on technology ministry topics um, that are of interest. And just this past week or two, it's been pretty busy there. Um, So first up, we had a question from Gail Potratz, who's looking for school three to five year tech plans um, for discussion and learning material for a group of aspiring technology administrators. they were to come up with examples in her class that she's teaching and they had a really tough time doing that. And some of the past plans seemed really out of date and maybe this ties right into our instructional design kind of discussion, how in the past we used to say, you know, we're going to teach technology and they're going to go to the computer lab and blah, blah, blah. And now it's, it's very different when you talk about planning for school technology. And it's also a kind of an unknown because what will it be like five years from now? We just don't have any clue, but um, how do you plan for that as a school? So uh, Gail's looking for those kind of resources. And so far, I don't think anyone's replied to that. So if you have some insight into that and want to share it with Gail, I did remember that we had a school technology planning area on our Wells Tech Wiki, but it hasn't been updated for quite some time. There are a few um, tech plans listed there and also things like a how to plan for your, how to do your tech plan, you know, a rubric for things you want to make sure you're including and things. But again, I think a lot of this is more dated. You might find some things there that are helpful um, as a starting point, but if anybody's working on this or has great examples or quasi great examples, I'm sure Gail would appreciate any feedback and the rest of us can learn from it as well. Um, Next. Oh, did you guys have anything related to tech planning? Oh, I just had, I actually had a question for Rachel on that one. Is that in, is that a, that tech planning or documentation of any of that stuff? Is that, um, is that a part of the accreditation process? Do we have that built into, uh, into Wellza? Oh, sure. Um, I don't think it, it doesn't say anything specifically about technology planning, um, I could be wrong about that. I don't have them all memorized, but um, there are parts of it that with having a long-term plan um, and also having a technology curriculum um, that would lead to having a, a a tech plan of some sort. Okay. So maybe a good topic to loop in Paul Patterson on at some point and have that discussion with, with our WELSA experts so from Synod. Good thoughts. Um, Another thread of conversation over on the Wells Tech uh, Google group was uh, Pastor Steve Daly asking for help with forcing a Chromebook update. And he got a couple of replies um, on and off the board. And he kind of replied back to what he was doing. Interestingly, it's not like a managed Chromebook, but just kind of a 
a personal Chromebook, if you want to call it that. And uh, things had gotten kind of out of date with the Chrome operating system. And he was having a challenge kind of getting it to power wash or whatever. So um, good advice there. And if you want to check out the thread, you might have some additional advice for Pastor Daly, or you might have the same problem and benefit from what was shared. Um, and then finally, I just want to mention Martin is part of this podcast because Martin has a, a topic out on the Wells Tech Google group as well. So reporting on Martin's behalf, our technology office specifically has two openings currently. We're looking for a system administrator and a software product analyst. And those job descriptions are there on the um, Google group, or you can head out to our complete listing of Wells jobs. And it's a pretty long list. I was surprised how many openings, openings there are across the Senate. I guess it's pretty reflective of, of, job demands or employment demands nationally because there are, are challenges everywhere I think but MLC has a lot of listings for different coaching positions um, resource development manager director of mission advancement at uh, Luther Prep and then there's our two software product analyst and system analyst um, there's food service workers needed at the sim it's just a pretty lengthy list. So please do consider Wells if you're considering or looking for a new job opportunity. There are a lot of um, potential options out there. So check it out and especially pay attention to our technology needs because we'd love to have some uh, new employees join our staff in Wells Technology. All right, guys, uh, I think that's going to about wrap it up. We have successfully manned a Wells Tech episode without Martin Spriggs, and we will be happy to welcome him back next time. Uh, that'll come up in just a couple of weeks before you know it, and we'll be back with more ministry uh, technology topics to discuss. Uh, meanwhile, we will uh, say goodbye to Rachel and Jason for this week, and thank you both um, for your uh, contributions. It was a great conversation today. It was incredible. It was so incredible. <laughs> Superhuman. Well, okay. Nice job, Sally. <laughs> All right. See you next time on Wells Tech, folks. Thank you. Bye.